Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. This is God's word. You may be seated.
incredible faith and trust in God. And so did her husband. And God, through this unlikely woman, she's forgotten, oppressed, and outsider, raised up his chosen one. Ruth is his great grandmother of David. And then we arrive at verse 6 It's a hinge book, you see. It's swinging from the time of the judges into the time of the kings. And thus, from the very beginning of 1st and 2nd Samuel, in the face of chaos and disorder, the thread of hope and redemption is woven thickly throughout. And it's tied tightly to David and his eventual son, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. So, that's the context. Let's keep that in mind. And now let's consider the message of 1st and 2nd Samuel. What's the message? What's the context? This book is going to ground God's people by shaping at least three things. The content is about David is largely about David's life. But what that narrative does is grounds their identity, their behavior, and their hope. Their identity, their behavior, and their hope. Let me explain this. First, their identity. First and second Samuel is clarifying who's the king. Who's the king? Consider the first Samuel chapter 13, verses 15 and 14. And Samuel said to Saul, you turn it if you want, you can also just listen to me. First Samuel 13, chapter 13, verses 15 and 14. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not connect, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established the kingdom over Israel forever. But now the kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Again, this is the story of David who's rise to the throne. The rightful king, the one chosen by God. And the rightful king is David and then those who come after him, his line. And if you're part of God's people, David and his line are your leaders, no one else. Which is important. Because remember, as the kingdom starts to fracture, and that's what's starting to happen, the authority of leadership comes quickly into question. Right? So the first one is identity. This book is talking about identity. And second, behavior. 1st and 2nd Samuel calls each person to obey God. Consider 1st Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. This is what Samuel says. Samuel says this. As the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Every person in the story of Mary is real. The real, the humans, they're like, they're like you and me, and I like that. Sometimes they trust God, sometimes they don't. And we will see the consequences play out, good and bad, for their choices, for their actions. In God's kingdom, from the most glorious king to the tiniest kid, everyone is called to live a holy life to obey God. And behavior, good or bad, has consequences. And we see that play out. This is a real life story. God is speaking through his word to call his people to live a life reflecting his holiness. And what's interesting is he's calling them to holiness, not through law or rules, but through the story. That's what we're going to see. 
angry God, their identity, and their behavior, and finally, their hope. Their hope. First and second, first and second Samuel shows the people of God that He, God, is on the move. He's moving. Listen to verse 7 and 47. David is speaking, and he says, The battle is in the woods, and He will give you into our hands. He did the life. He marched out the battle, but who is actually fighting? Who is actually at work? That's the question we're asking about this entire book. Again and again, in spite of Israel, and at times, even in spite of David, God moves on behalf of his people. At each and every turn, God is at work, often in unlikely and unexpected ways. He's fulfilling his promises, his covenant, that he made with his people. And that brings hope. As they see their sovereign king executing his plans and purposes. Nevertheless, I want you to get an idealized picture of this book. Nor do I want you to get an idealized portrait of David. First and second Samuel was like a beautiful song that sung in the minor key. The beautiful story doesn't end well. David's life ends in confusion and shame. I'm excited to say this. I think the Lord has great things in store for us. But what about us? What significance does David and his life have for our lives now, here in the 21st century? Well, what about three things? The significance of us. The life of David is significant for us because all of the Bible is God's word for us. Scripture reveals God's plan of salvation. We studied, we finished up the series through 2 Timothy a little while ago. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Continue in what you learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The scriptures, all of them, not just the bits and pieces in one study, but all of them witness God's grand story. Second reason is significant for us. 
church that allows people, those who have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins. There are so many promises given to us, His church, through Christ in this section. But I want to look specifically again at verse 18, where it says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord, uh, says the Lord Almighty. That is a direct quote from the Old Testament, from 2 Samuel 7. It's the promise that God gave to David. But when God gave it to David, he said this. So this is from 2 Samuel 7. I'll just read it for you. He said, God said to David, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. He does the difference. God says to David, I'm going to be your father. You're going to be to me a son. But Paul says, you're going to become, I'm going to be your father. You're going to become sons and daughters to me. So what's happening here? What is Paul saying here? Paul's teaching a theological truth. All those who trust in Jesus are brought into the promises of God. God's promises to David are our promises. Because even the promises that are made to David are ultimately David's because of Jesus. Every promise of God is yes and amen through Jesus Christ. All who come to Jesus, the Son of David, will receive every promise of God. In Luke 18, a blind man was out. And he said this, he said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus walks over to him and heals him right there on the spot. In that moment, Jesus showed the world the truth he was here. The eternal kingdom, the promised kingdom, has come through me. We study the life of David because David points us to the beauty. Every year, I'm sure you might do the same thing. Ask something about this morning. I come up with all kinds of plans, all kinds of res- resolutions, and ideas about what I hope for the year ahead. Um, to be honest, I think that a little bit less than the other one. You said I have great aspirations when I was at the age of 25. But plans to change this, to do that, and on and on, I have a lot of hopes, right? But I have been great as I prepared for this service. Yeah. 